Lee, who is uh, waiting for the Braves to go ahead and clinch the National League East. They had an opportunity last night. All they need is a Braves win or a Mets loss. Mets rained out last night playing a doubleheader today. So the Braves should wrap things up in the National League East today. But we'll talk to Barrett about college football, get his thoughts on, you know, the um, two more coaches out of jobs after this past weekend, and his thoughts on the future of Auburn football and more as Auburn and Georgia uh, we'll meet this Saturday afternoon at 2.30 over in Athens. Then in, in the 5 o'clock hour, at the bottom of the hour, it's Jake Crane from Crane & Company. And uh, we, we'll uh, visit with him as well. In the meantime, we welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, sponsor of our number one of the drive. Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. And uh, where, where you're always number one. And as I mentioned, the sponsor of our hotline as well. And the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show 334-564-1840 on the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And with that, uh, we can we can jump in. Is there anything? Uh, no. uh, you, you, uh, yeah, I was just wondering. It was sort of busy around the office this morning. It's, yeah, uh, it, it's a, uh, you know, I think it's Auburn, Georgia week. And so you have an Auburn, Georgia I mean, that you have all the storylines that you have for the history of, of this rivalry. It's lacking uh, some of the, uh, you know, some of the intrigue that the game uh, has when some both teams some, are. Hey, I, I asked this yesterday, and I saw, I think it maybe maybe it was uh, Philip Marshall writing that this is the largest point spread in the history of the series that there has been recorded. Didn't know what the didn't know what the uh, spread may have been back in 1942, when Auburn pulled the most shocking upset in the entire series, but this is as big an underdog as either team has ever been since there have been lines for college football right sitting right at 30 points. Well, you remember how how big the the mismatch seemed at the end of the Chiswick era in the 2011 and 2012 right. games. And, and that was and, about half, wasn't yeah, it? It's about half of, of what it is. I mean, Georgia was Goodness. a Georgia was a 13-point favorite at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Or no, Georgia was a uh no, that's right. Georgia was a they were a 13-point favorite, I think, at home in 2011. Uh, and then they were a 16-point 16 16. Uh-huh. favorite at Jordan-Hare Stadium in 2012. And now Georgia is uh, favored by the com- combination of yes. those two numbers. Uh, and that's as low as you're going to see it anywhere, I think, is 29. And, and while some of that is a commentary on how Auburn has performed through the first uh, first few games of the season. That's also uh, it, it's also an acknowledgement of how good Georgia is, and, and the fact who is Georgia. But 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 you know now Georgia blew out an, an Oregon team that's yeah, in the top fifteen. That's true. And 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 who else did they beat? They beat Missouri and they thumped South Carolina. It was South Carolina. Yeah. I was trying to remember. Was it Vandy? Yeah, it was South Carolina. Yeah, Vandy's getting theirs a little, little bit later. Last on two the weeks, game. Georgia has struggled. I think that's one of the reasons right. why Georgia is as heavily favored, feeling like the dogs. Uh, are, are going to have more bite and, and this I think week. It's, it's also fair to wonder, uh, you know, where, where Auburn's going to be able to consistently succeed on offense. I think the offensive questions don't go away. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm wondering where Auburn will succeed. I'm not worried yeah. about consistently. Can right? Can they do anything to, to create some points? Yeah. How, how can this they? Saturday? Yeah. How, how can they? You know, win, win various matchups on the field because it does seem like it's going to have to be a, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a tightrope. 
uh, for Brian Harson to walk if he's going to uh, you know keep this game competitive for an extended period of time or even put Auburn in a position to win the football game in the second half because yeah it's it's a uh, it's it's the most Brian Harson uh, you know it's 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 the largest. Uh, spread Brian Harson has faced as an underdog as Auburn head coach in a year and a half, as to be expected. Auburn's Auburn's generally not a four touchdown underdog in these no in these sorts of games. I, so it's, I, well, again, I, I don't I don't know that I can ever recall Auburn being a thirty point underdog. Period. Yeah, ever. And I mean, as bad as the worst seasons we've seen, I, I, I don't recall Auburn being a twenty eight or more point. I, th- I think underdog. Auburn was about. Three touchdowns in Tuscaloosa yeah. in, at the end of the eight. It may have been twenty three. Right. I wonder. I wonder. Maybe. Maybe the twenty season in Tuscaloosa because that was such a good. That was such a, a good Alabama team, and Auburn had struggled to that point. Maybe uh, that yeah. team was three touchdowns. But it's a short I list did, of games where you're yeah, thinking about. I just. I don't recall ever seeing a a three in front of two digits. Yeah. As an underdog, yeah, no, no, you're right. It, it is, it is uh, to anybody. It, it is unfamiliar territory for Auburn, and um, yeah, and, and part of that is, like, like I said, part of that is a, a commentary on how well Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. It's, it's where Georgia is, where Auburn is perceived to be, and the questions about, you know, uh, and and I can't question one of the things that I've heard people saying. Well. They just feel like at any time the players could quit. They surely have not done that. The, the this team has played hard. They have they have fought, uh, and they have not given up. This is not in 2012. Auburn was Auburn was uh, packing it in. I mean, they, they there were they were not they were not on the same page. You didn't see that the kind of effort that we saw. And have seen throughout the year. And, and I hope people don't think when the defense struggles in the second half, that's effort as well. And that's, right. that's a design. I mean, what, what you're seeing there is something that I think Brian Matthews did an excellent job explaining yesterday on the show, which is that when the defensive starters play the number of snaps that Auburn defensive starters are expected to play without a lot of relief from their backups, you're going to see... Uh, you, you're, you're going to see a decrease in their production in the fourth quarter. You're going to see that start to add up over time, not just and and it, it was a little bit on on Saturday night, but I would expect over the course of the season. Yeah. Well, now you know Saturday night. I heard a stat a little while ago. Uh, you know how you know how many yards passing LSU had in the second half? Did they 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 completed like four passes right in the second they had half? Five yards passing. I was going to say that. They, they, so I mean, don't you know, that you know that that's. That's not the big problem. No, there was or that really, wasn't the problem Saturday. No, the defense, the defense. Not, I mean, aside from what one touchdown drive in the second half for yeah. LSU, which started after Auburn, which went was for a, a short, yeah, short field. I mean, sixty-three yards. Yeah, it, it started after Auburn went for a fourth and ten, you know, in, in no man's land, and, yep. and didn't get it. So, no, you're right, but but I would say projecting it moving forward, right? If if Auburn is asking its starters to play. Uh, the vast majority of the game without giving them very many, uh, with, but, with giving them a lot of breaks, and, and I understand they have to do it. You know, if you don't want to, oh yeah. Pull but sa- Saturday was the exception of the rule because Auburn dominated the stats. Saturday, it right. wasn't it wasn't Auburn going three and out and LSU taking the ball and uh, keeping it for three or four first downs. There was not not really much of that at all. It's just Auburn Auburn moved the ball, but they couldn't score. They couldn't score any points. Auburn moved the ball better than LSU did in the second half, but LSU had one drive that they cashed in on. Ultimately, that game came down to who was going to have a touchdown drive in the second half, right? I mean, you think about it, it's it's 
at halftime after LSU is able to get that that touchdown right before uh, right right before the the teams go into the locker room, and yet it becomes a matter of of who's going to score a touchdown because had Auburn been able to convert a- any one of those drives, you know, you pick the one where. You know, either of the ones that end on on well, well, the drive that ended on fourth and ten, and, and ten, the drive that ends with the Coinmore interception. I mean, there there are there are situations where hey, Auburn, yeah, I mean, missed missed field goals. I mean, there are situations where Auburn had a chance to uh, put a lot more points than just seventeen on the board, and because they couldn't, uh, they're, uh, they're they're looking at their first loss in conference play of the season. We'd love for you to uh, join in. Anything on your mind, sports wise? Um, there was uh, quite a bit of buzz. I got I got multiple phone calls this morning. Uh, J.G. Tate uh, over at Auburn Sports, of course, the 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 man. I mean, he is he is the owner of AuburnSports.com, where of course Brian is uh, ha, is and has been for a long, long time. J.G. Uh, opined today that there are two clear leaders for the position. Uh, if if and when when and if, uh, well, it, let's say when. He didn't say if and when. He just said when it becomes open. Uh, first, he, he talked about the this, athletic this, this director. Is, co- is head coach or head coach? Okay. Well, he talked about the athletics director uh, and the feeling. According JG's feeling is that John Hartwell will be named uh, AD by the end of the month, and that John Hartwell will not be brought in to fire Brian Harson. So he says that means Brian Harson will be gone before the end of the month. John Hartwell will be in place, and there are two primary candidates at this point, and they are Hugh Freeze and Jeff Grimes. The way we'll get to the Hugh Freeze and Jeff Grimes part of that shortly. The way that's described, do you think there's a very real chance that a subpar performance Saturday? Could be the end of Brian Harson's tenure at Auburn. I absolutely do. Because okay. I was thinking maybe because it's Georgia and it's in Athens, maybe Auburn would not overlook, but they would they would try to put a lost Saturday in context with everything else and and not maybe maybe, but, but, maybe it depends. I think it just depends on how it looks. But but I could also see Auburn deciding. You know that's 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 if, if it ends up anywhere. And we were just talking quite a bit about the line. If it ends up around that. I think yes, it it would be very likely. Well, and if Auburn doesn't score a point in the second half again, I mean, you have to imagine it's going to end up not maybe. I'm not saying Auburn's covering the sport. The Auburn spread. has scored Wait, look, two second half touchdowns in its last eight games. This is not a show that provides gambling analysis. All right, this is not a show that provides you expert expert analysis. No, no because ladies. because uh, because yeah, just just ask Doug <laughs> yes. and and the the Max Roundtable. I stink at picking the games. You know, so against the number. So we're not saying, oh, it's going to no. be, you know, Auburn's going to cover or George is going to. It's not that. But no, I, I agree with you, Bill. If if the if the game ends up uncompetitive and Georgia pulls away and the final score resembles the the point spread, yeah, I, I think there's maybe a path to Auburn saying that's that's the that's the end of the Brian Harson era. So um, I, I was thinking, I mean, and so if, if that is indeed the case, and and we've heard an awful lot about the likelihood or the possibility of John Hartwell the Utah State AD, who has strong Auburn ties. He's about the only member of his family who did not go to Auburn. He went to the Citadel, uh, but, but um, his family is, um, you know, is Auburn through and through, and he has expressed an interest in being at Auburn. Former Troy AD. As that well. is, that worth, is correct. Worth pointing out, John Hartwell was, the, oh, yeah. was, was one of several ADs who have, uh, uh, I, I believe, 
both John Hartwell and Jeremy McLean, uh, current ADs who formerly served at Troy. They've both been mentioned for bigger jobs of, of late. McLean mm-hmm. uh, reportedly a candidate to be uh, Georgia Tech's uh, next AD. Apparently Hartwell's also in that mix, potentially. Well, yeah, and, that, and, and J.G. mentioned that. Yeah. As, as we had said the other day, the fact that his name was mentioned there at Georgia Tech probably uh, speeding up the process of Auburn making the announcement of its athletics well, it, director. I mean, Auburn does not want to drag its feet and see someone that no. ends up being the preferred candidate take the Georgia Tech right. job because you're probably not poaching Georgia Tech's AD after a month on the job. No, I wouldn't. Right? Think like like so. if, if if they decide they need somebody, yeah, they they don't want to uh, to have waited and watched as that person accepted a job at Georgia Tech, and th- and that is a uh, that's a possibility. So so you're right, Auburn is uh, uh, and and there's there's the ad search and then let's get back to what jg said about hugh freeze and uh jeff grimes yeah and i was thinking about this these i mean they're, they're two names we've talked a good bit about um you know i i was thinking that if you do make a change in the middle of the season because i've heard people saying well what's the advantage why would you do that because you can't hire somebody else in the middle of the season you're more likely to be able to do something. Now, I don't know that I don't think Hugh Freeze is leaving Liberty in the middle of the season, or Jeff Grimes is going to leave Baylor as the OC in the middle of the season, but you could make that announcement. It's much more likely you could go ahead and have that done on day one of. of the day the portal opens. Absolutely. Right? Think about the day, the day after all the championship games are decided. Yeah, I think those are two coaches that, if you're, if you're thinking about higher ability, yeah, those are two coaches that, if, if either of them was your top and candidate. Then you've got. Two and a half weeks yeah. before signing day. I, I would agree. I, I would say that in both of those cases, you you have somebody who uh, could be uh, you know could be on the job uh, pretty pretty quickly, and uh, that that is more important than ever before with, mm-hmm. the, with the increased timeline. You know, people have wondered about that. Like, what, why, why fire a coach in the middle of the season instead of waiting until after the regular season is over? Is a question that I've gotten from from people. You know, amid this Brian Harson thing, and the easiest way to explain it is. The longer you wait, the more work the next coach has to do, and the harder right. it is because they have few, they have less time to do it. Not just with salvaging a recruiting class among high schoolers, but also convincing players on the roster right now that may consider going into the portal, convincing the ones I, you want to keep to stay, and players from other schools that are in the portal making decisions about where they want to go. You want to have your, your team in place as quickly as possible. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never seen this, but I wonder, is there any way that you might actually let it out or it be known who it is if you if you can't announce it hmm. before then? I mean, because you've, we've seen a lot of times where coaches – are leaving to take other jobs, and they coach the bowl game. So they do things like that. I just wonder if something like that might be possible. I think the, the it'd, cons- be, it'd be tough when you've got you know, especially if Baylor's competing yeah. for the, you know, for for the uh, for the Big Twelve title. Um, well, and, and there's and there's other jobs too, right? There's, I mean, if you're if you're Dave Aranda, do you how comfortable are you having an offensive coordinator who you know if it's announced that he's going to be the next head coach of School X? Do you want him making recruiting visits? Do you want him talking to Do you want him talking to players? If he's going to be, if you know he's another school's head coach, and I, I can sort of understand. I understand. Why it's, um, it's different during the postseason, right? Like, if yes, it's, if it's a playoff, it, it is. But I mean, you've seen, you've seen, I mean, wildly yeah. differing opinions as to coaches staying on uh, during bowl games. I think the timeline matters too. It would. It'd be one thing if it was, if it was like. 
I don't. I don't know if a school would be comfortable with several weeks. Of oh no, no, no. Their, I'm, their I'm, I'm not OC. saying several weeks. I'm just saying, oh, during a Thanksgiving co- or oh, no, something, couple, where it gets out. A couple you know? days. No, a couple days before is a different thing. Like I think that's, and I don't think that's unprecedented. Where if it's a Friday or a Saturday, and we hear that uh, the offensive coordinator of this school right. is going to, after the game, he's going to go take the head coaching job at this other school. That's less. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's less uh, uh, unprecedented than if if you were thinking about like yeah I don't know if you know at the beginning of the month right at the beginning of November Baylor wants it getting out that their OC is is, is going to be no, the head coach uh, yeah like, especially like I said if they're trying to contend you know for the for the Big Twelve title all right just a uh, uh, a couple of things that that we have seen today we'd love your thoughts anything any direction you want to go in we'll get to our first break here of our number one. Again, don't forget Barrett Salee joins us at the bottom of the hour, right back with phone calls and Spectre will get us started when we come back here on the Tuesday Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls, and let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Spectre is first. Hey, Spectre. Hey, guys, uh, got a question for you. All right. You know how we all wonder what happened to Auburn in the second half of, of the last four or five games, right? Um, yeah, it's actually yeah. about seven or eight now, but, but yeah, all, yeah, all of them this year, right. Yeah, I was wondering, he was talking to uh, John Sam yesterday, and I was wondering, did you ever get the opportunity to ask him, hey, what goes on in the locker room at halftime? We asked that- him that a couple of weeks ago. And even no, and even uh, yesterday, Bill asked, you know, what what is it like? How how does it impact the locker room when you go in after a team has scored? Because Auburn's given up points right before mm-hmm. halftime in a lot of locker rooms. And John Samuel sort of talked about maintaining the composure and keeping everybody on an even keel and and, and keeping spirits up because it is tough to go into a locker room right after giving up a touchdown. It, it throws you know a wrench into the momentum mm-hmm. that you thought they were going to have. We haven't asked him too much about. Like why? Why isn't the team scoring more points? No, but we we, we did we did ask, and, and he said, you know, they uh, it's really not that much different than any time he's been involved in football. They're they're going over things to do and trying to make adjustments. It just hasn't worked, is what he said. No, okay, then great. Uh, that's what I really needed to know. Um, the other thing, uh, do y'all find it kind of odd that? All the pressure is on Harson, which which is due. I, I'm not saying he's not due, but that nobody is saying anything about the players taking responsibility for their actions. Like if it wasn't for the scoop six, we may have won that game. Maybe, maybe. Um, no, no I, I I hear plenty of players being you know criticized for for not being able to make plays, um, but I mean it. it it just feels if you didn't have those situations like the second half inabilities and and then um, you know some decisions that that haven't worked. If they'd worked, maybe Brian Harson would be looked at as wow, what what a what a uh, what what a uh, great gamble that was. But it seems like every one of them has backfired, so it just makes it uh, it, it it makes it harder to not look right there and go, man, if if that would change, maybe. You know, maybe the outcome could change. Yeah, that last drive we had, 
seemed to be like Parson and company was calling a good game until the mistakes started happening on the on the six yard line. I mean, we went from the six to the ten to throwing an interception. Yep, yep, and and you're right. Yeah, the coaches the coaches don't fumble, um, but that's 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 a very unusual play to see called on second and goal from the ten. Right. Well, that's all I got, guys. All right, Specter. See. You. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Yeah, I've heard some folks wondering, you know, why why is it why is all the criticism aimed at at Harson and the coaching staff and not more of an aimed at at the players? And I, you know, it's tough to decide, you know, how much of the blame pie goes. Well, but in, but in, uh, college, I'll, but in I'll, college football, yeah, I was going to say I, you're right. This isn't professional football, yeah. and one thing I, I really hesitate to criticize and call out college kids. I know they're getting nil money. But I mean, your coaches, your coaches are making a lot of money, and when there are things that appear to just be obvious poor decisions, that's that's where the, that's where the blame has to start. Right, and and even you know to to the extent that in college football, like you're you're in full control of who's out there. You signed these players, you recruited these players, right. and and you are deciding who plays and who doesn't. So you know, I understand assigning you know more more credit, more blame. To a head coach in college football, largely because of their role in deciding who's right. on the roster. Although, although a coach who's been been at a school for a year and a half, you know, isn't completely responsible. Although he's, he's got most of them. Most yeah, of them are yeah. A, lot, a lot of these guys yeah, were right. one of them or didn't want him. Yeah, yeah. So appreciate it, Specter. That's that's uh, that's interesting stuff. Uh, yeah. We, again, we got uh, Barrett Sally will be joining us here in a couple of minutes. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll ask him about the uh, um, the the possibility of. Of Hugh Freeze, Jeff Grimes, we, we'd love to get your thoughts, our listeners, on that. Uh, if those are the top two candidates, how do you feel? How do you feel well, about you those know, guys? With, with Jeff Grimes, like I struggle to have really fully formed, concrete opinions about what kind of job Jeff uh, Grimes would. Auburn do. had a really good offensive line. A, a, that, that's, about de- all, that's, that's about all I can tell you. A decade ago, right? I twelve mean, years was, ago. Yeah, it, was 12, it was twelve years ago. Yeah, and, and they they were they were pretty good. And he's had he's enjoyed success both at BYU and he at has. Taylor. And it, the offenses then. the offenses he's been around have put up some pretty good numbers. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I I think that that would be. Uh, I believe he's been a play caller since seventeen or eighteen. Do we think he'd be a play caller as a head coach? Do we think I he would he would pass that off? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. There, there are people. There are people who interacted with Jeff Grimes when he was at Auburn, both in in a professional capacity, working with him in the athletic department, even folks who covered him or just met him socially, came away really liking him. Right. Right. Like there there are yeah. some there are some hardcore Jeff Grimes fans. I have you know I I haven't had enough. FaceTime with Jeff Grimes to come away saying, "Oh yeah, well, you need I'm, to I'm check. A... You need to check with some of those linemen. You yeah, know, you know some of the true. linemen that played for Jeff Grimes. That's true. I, I could probably you ask hung with those guys. Yeah, for I, a I, while. Could, I could ask one or two. One yeah. of them, a few of them listen. So we probably, uh, yeah, that, that's that's where we could uh, we, we could maybe try to find out a little more about Jeff Grimes. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I knew we were getting short on time. So uh, so yeah, we uh, we're about to head to our bottom of the hour break. Phone lines will open back up once we talk with Barrett Sally, but he's coming up next. Here on the Tuesday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. 
The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan with Drew at the Controls. And let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. Welcome in our regular Tuesday afternoon guest, our good friend from CBSSports.com and Sirius XM, and that's Barrett Selly. Barrett, how are you doing today? I'm great, guys. How are y'all? Uh, all right. I, I figured, you know, you're you're counting down the minutes, ready to uh, <laughs> ready to go ahead and pop the champagne as the Braves had an opportunity last night. See the Mets up three to nothing. They need to go ahead and get it get it done tonight. Yeah, I was watching that uh, Mets-Nationals game before you guys called. And, you know, I know a lot of Nationals fans are serious. <laughs> Master Control is up in uh, in D.C. I don't know how they watch that team. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how they watch that team. It is awful watching that team play baseball. Now, like you said, they're they're down 3 nothing, But, hey, that's why you got to take care of business. Hopefully the Braves take care of business tonight. And if not, it's hard to sweep a doubleheader. So hopefully the – the Nats come through with this. Uh, come through for us in the second game. You know, you know the thing that I don't think people are factoring into this Mets Braves. I mean, it's not just about winning the division and, and getting the bye. The loser, you know, the team that finishes in second place in the NL East and, and gets the four seed, uh, they're they're going to play the Padres, and that's a good Padres yeah. team in a best of three. We were just talking during the commercial break. The notion of facing you, Darvish, Blake Snell, and Joe Musgrove in a best of three series. No thanks. I mean that that is that is dangerous for any team yep. in the National League, including the Dodgers, including the Braves, including the Mets. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's really important to win the NL East because otherwise, uh, you could be in a dogfight just to get to the NLDS in this expanded format. Yeah, and they were actually talking about that on the Mets broadcast of the game today. And then after the Padres, you'll probably get the Dodgers. Yep. Like, yep. Come on, <laughs> that is that is. Uh, that is insane. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough. Uh, hopefully the Mets are the ones that have to go through that gauntlet. Like I said, that's why you got to handle your business. Uh, last night, the, the Braves played like a team that got into a hotel at 4.30 in the morning. So <laughs> right. Hopefully they got some sleep today. And the, the other side of that bracket has the Phillies and the Cardinals, Cardinals. playing a, playing a best of three and then play, yeah. and then facing the winner of the National League East. Phillies and the Cardinals, I mean, is, is, there a, is there a team that you think could make some noise in the National League playoffs between between those two? I mean, St. Louis is playing all right. The Phillies, I think the Braves have their number, so if they do mm-hmm. run into the Phillies, I think that's probably a good thing. But, I mean, the Cardinals with – with, did you all see Yachty and Adam Wainwright and Pujols walking off together on Sunday? That was awesome. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get involved with, uh, with, with some of that destiny, some of that magic that could be coming our way, or their way, I should say. So I would rather take the Phillies. Uh, if I had to pick one. Yeah, but if you don't want to get involved with it, just lose out and, and play the Padres and Dodgers. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, let's, uh, Hard let, let, pass on that. Yeah, really. Uh, let's, let's let's talk a little football. Another uh, interesting week in the SEC this past week. Uh, and, and before we get to that, two more coaches fired, none of them, from uh, from Lee County, Alabama. We speculated about Paul Christ uh, last week, and sure enough, Wisconsin pulls the plug. That That shocked me. Barrett, than Carl Durrell. That one's been that no, one's been in the in yeah. the works for a while. I forgot Paul, he was still there. Paul Christ. I mean that that is a that that is a, an abrupt move 
by a Wisconsin program. That's a Wisconsin yeah, guy, man. Not, he is a Wisconsin man. And that athletic department's not known for those sort of abrupt no. cutthroat moves, but they, they'd seen enough of Paul Christ. Yeah, they're not known for it, but they are known for being led by a guy who's very difficult to deal with. And, and so I think with, with the way that that management has been structured over the last you know, 30, 40 years, the, the meddling, whether it's with Barry Alvarez or you know, whoever else, it's just it's hard to deal with, and it's part of their culture. So I kind of liken it to what goes on at Auburn, but for Wisconsin, it's from the actual management, not the boosters. So and we had heard some personality conflicts among you know some of the new administration up there with with Barry Alvarez. I mean, no, Barry Alvarez with Paul Chris. Uh, so I mean, I look, I, I I think in retrospect they're probably going to look back and think, okay, maybe losing to Illinois wasn't as big of a deal as, as they thought at the time because Illinois might be pretty good. But I, to me, it almost felt like one of those deals where they kind of have their guy in mind. It's probably Jim Leonard. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So go ahead and give Leonard the ability to coach himself into the job as an interim, and if he doesn't, you know, see what goes from there. And, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe their, their candidate is, is also somebody that's been courted or will be courted by some of these other jobs, like Nebraska or somewhere else. So there are probably a lot of different factors at play. But first and foremost, you know, Paul Chris and the new administration there, I think they, uh, they butted heads for really since the moment that, uh, that power shifted. Well, one change that didn't happen, uh, you, had, you had sort of predicted it. Now, I don't think you expected, like a lot of us didn't expect, Auburn to play LSU as close as they did and, and really had opportunities to win that ball game. Yeah, they did. I mean, obviously, seventeen points in the first uh, in the first half, and you know, having that lead was you know something that. I, and Robbie Ashford, you know, his downfield passing prowess I thought was really interesting, and all good signs. And then second half, Auburn comes out and they they forget how to play offense. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I think you can look at it like Auburn played well in the first half and played LSU closer than people thought. But I think more the way they lost is is more important and more you know, indicative of where the program is right now. You know, they, they can't close. They haven't been able to close at any point during the Harson, uh, well, really ever since the, the Arkansas game. So, you know, I, I was surprised they didn't pull the trigger on Sunday. In fact, I was kind of waiting around for it to happen uh, before leaving for the Braves game, and I was surprised that I got to leave on time. But, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think it's bound to happen. This week against Georgia, things are probably going to get really, really ugly, especially considering – Georgia's pretty angry after way the way they played the last couple of weeks. So I would imagine there will be another opening soon enough. Barrett, I'd like to ask about LSU because that's a team that is 2-0 in conference play. They were down 13 in both, or 13 or more, in, in both conference games, came back to win. The Mississippi State was up 13 nothing to begin that game against LSU before LSU uh, came back and won. Uh, Brian Kelly uh, has, uh, I mean, it's it's not... It's not pretty, especially no. offensively. Uh, you know the, the, the way they're they're finding uh, you know the the way they're winning these football games. Uh, but for a team that was dealt an early blow, losing to Florida State, pretty good sign that they're coming back and winning these these conference games early in Kelly's tenure. Yeah, especially considering they don't really have a passing attack. You know, you guys saw Jaden Daniels was what eight of twenty. Against Auburn. Oh, it was awful. Know, and that's, uh, awful. That's, yeah. Probably about eight, awful. Eight, yeah. eight drops mixed in there, right? They're, yeah, they're, yeah, at least a half dozen, they're, but they're, I mean, still. Yeah, but I think, right, when you. 
the, the way that they, the fact that they've been able to come back and win some of those games, considering they are extremely one-dimensional, I think is, is definitely encouraging for them. I, I don't necessarily know if it means all that much because, you know, at some point that's going to catch up to them. But I think there's no doubt the, the way that they've, they've played and the way Brian Kelly has sort of navigated through some of those issues is, it's certainly a, 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 ho- a bright spot and, and gives them hope for the future. Yeah, as you look around the league, it seems like just about everybody, you know, has a wart, has a blemish or something. It's um, is is the league maybe not quite as as uh, as good and deep, or maybe I don't know about the deep, but uh, maybe not quite as talented as as we had thought preseason. Well, I think what it is, it's not that it's it's not deep. I think it's that the top two have flaws, right? You know, yep. I think that in years past, like 2020 and 2019, you've, you've had these juggernauts, and you don't necessarily have that now. And I think that's the big difference. It's not that, you know, it's there, there's no, that, it, that it, I think it's actually more it, deeper than normal uh, because Georgia and Alabama have, have some flaws. Uh, and you have a team like Tennessee coming back up and Kentucky doing things. So I actually think it's deeper. I just think it's not top-heavy anymore, which uh, I think has been the problem mm-hmm. in the past. What's, what's really strange about the SEC this year, I mean, Alabama and Georgia appear to be the two best teams in the conference, which is par for the course at the moment. Are the are the next three best teams in the conference Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Kentucky? Because the polls would tell you those are the next three best teams in the SEC. Mississippi State is better than a lot of people think. Mississippi State's a pretty good team. I, I want to ask Barrett about Ole Miss because you look at Ole Miss after beating Kentucky, you know, in, in, a, in incredible fashion. They've got Vanderbilt at home. They've got Auburn at home. They go to LSU. They've got A and M uh, both on the road, and then they host Alabama. Is Ole Miss going to be eight zero when when Alabama comes to Tuscaloosa, Barrett? Should be. I said they were going to be before the season, too. I said that before the season, and uh, I don't think that's going to change. I think that right now, the thing about Ole Miss is that the one thing that you have to to question with them is their passing attack. And if we're sitting here questioning a passing attack that's led by Lane Kiffin, uh, that that tells you a lot about where that program and where that team can actually go because we know he's going to fix that. So, yeah, um, I think they'll be undefeated. And how about that? If they go undefeated into their bye week with Alabama coming to town the following week, that's going to be really, really interesting. Yeah, not 9-0, and by the way. That would be my mistake. They would be 9-0 and when when Alabama yes. comes to Oxford to start the uh, yeah, to, in, 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 on November 12th if they can win these next four. And, and, I, and I was saying Mississippi State's not bad. I think a lot of people just overlook them. They think, ah, oh, it's that gimmicky offense, uh, air raid offense of, of Mike Leach. They're not bad defensively. Uh, there, there's a chance. I mean, the Egg Bowl could be huge this year. It could be. I mean, it, it could be for a New Year's Six Bowl berth. And if, if Ole Miss beats Alabama, it could be a lot more for Ole Miss. So, yeah, um, what was that, 2014, it was the same thing. That mm-hmm. game um, really was was a deciding factor in, uh, in in where teams placed. Now, both of them went to a New Year's Six Bowl that year. But, uh, you know, I think, yeah, it's it could be a huge game. I love when that when when games like that mean something. When when traditional rivalries that aren't necessarily as visible as as the Auburn and Alabamas of the world, um, you know, they mean something. And I think there's no doubt it, it it will mean a whole lot this year, whether it be you know making a Florida Bowl or making a New Year's Six Bowl or something. I think both of those teams are on that collision course. Now we talked about uh, Auburn and their struggles. 
Uh, I don't think they're about to make a move or anything, but a lot of Texas A&M fans are, are not thrilled with the amount of money and time that is left on Jimbo Fisher's contract. This is a 3-2 and two team that uh, they may struggle to finish over 500 this year. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. They're going to get destroyed this weekend. Um, and then I think offensively, when you have such an aptitude in the passing game, like literally their offense is Devin A. Chain. I put a mm-hmm. stat up at halftime. Devin A. Chain of, uh, during the Mississippi State game at halftime was responsible for like 73% of their offense, and he only had like 85 total yards. It's just like, it's, I don't know how you sit there and, and fix that. It's, I know how you should, and that's Jimbo, you know, swallowing his, his whistle and, and letting somebody else call those plays and simplify the system, but he's not going to do that. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to get ugly. You know, like I said, when, when they beat Arkansas, all that necessarily did was avert disaster. Um, but it still can get really, really bad really quickly. Yeah. M- Mike Leach in year three at Mississippi State should not have a team that much better than Jimbo Fisher has in year five yeah. at Texas A&M. And that, and what you and that saw, was a no-doubter last week. Right, that's what I mean. I mean, it, th- th- that was not a situation where, you know, it felt Fluke. like, yeah, play, play that one over ten times and, and A&M will win four or five of them. Like, that, that's not the feeling you got watching Mississippi State go up and down the field. Uh, and and I, I could understand why some Texas A&M folks are worried about how this thing is trending, uh, especially when, uh, you know, if, if recruiting is going to be such a huge part of it. Recruits watch that game. Like they they just they just they just oh, watched yeah. they just watched uh, uh Will uh, they just watched Mike Leach uh, boat race you with Will Rogers who you know we, we there hasn't been that much uh, Heisman talk and, and and you know thankfully so it's it's not the most important thing to talk about at the moment Will Rogers deserve a seat in New York City with the season he's having right now Barrett uh, I wouldn't say yet uh, but he he might soon enough I think right now um, you know he's. He's sort of under the radar, you know. People still sort of view him as a as a product of the system or whatever. Uh, but to me, yeah, um, if this keeps up, then then yeah, it wouldn't surprise me uh, if he does get if he does get that that uh, that push. So uh, I think there's no doubt that he w- is going to be a stat machine. Is a stat machine was a stat machine last year. Uh, but uh, I think Mississippi State's going to have to be in the national championship hunt. And I, I really after. After what happened against LSU, that's still probably not going to happen. But you know, if they're if they're good enough to be in the conversation for the SEC West title, then then he's going to get some looks. There's no doubt. We mentioned LSU a little while ago, and Hendon Hooker and that Tennessee offense cooking as they head down to Baton Rouge Saturday morning. That uh, this to me is is the, <laughs> the the most fun game. It's a shame it's not at night, just be, because of how crazy it would be. But it, it's it's the most interesting game to me on the SEC schedule this weekend. Yeah, uh, because you know LSU they won, but the offense is still sort of questionable. And now you know we don't know how healthy Jaden Daniels actually is going to be, but he might have to go and get into a shootout with Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But Tennessee's pass defense was atrocious the last time they were out. So what are you going to get? You know, what kind of game is it going to be? Is it going to be old school? Because that will favor LSU. If it's, if it's going to be a shootout, that will probably favor Tennessee. But, uh, you know, I think Tennessee definitely dodged a bullet because playing at night there, obviously you guys know, and I know too, is, is almost impossible. But the uh, I think it's, uh, unfortunately for, for that game, it's, going to get overshadowed a little bit because there are two, you know, big games on CBS. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm, I can't wait to see what happens because I, I think Tennessee can really make a statement. Before we get your Auburn-Georgia thoughts, briefly, Barrett, couple of undefeated teams in the top 25, if you'd like to uh, to talk about any of them. you got Syracuse, Kansas, UCLA, and TCU, teams that I don't think people expected uh, to be ranked at this point in the season. What, what can you say about any of those programs? Anybody really impressing you out of that group? Yeah, TCU. Those wide receivers are awesome. And, and Max Duggan, we've heard about him forever, um, you know, finally coming into his own. And defensively, they're pretty darn, pretty darn salty. So, uh, you know, that TCU team is, is um, you know, well-coached. Sonny Dykes does a really good job uh, coming in, you know, sort of instilling his system so quickly and having so much success, I think, is is really impressive. So, uh, you know, I, I know Iowa State this weekend, you know, I'm not, I'm sorry, not Iowa State there, but TCU is, you know, I think capable of winning. Because I said all along, Big 12 is going to be the most interesting conference championship race uh, out there, and I think you're seeing why so far. And then uh, never – I. I I've tried to look it up. Nobody that I know has been able to find uh, Auburn a 30-point underdog ever to Georgia. I don't know that they've been a 30-point underdog that I can ever recall, period, um, as the Tigers head to Athens this weekend. And what a lot of people are thinking may be the last game for Brian Harson as Auburn's coach. Yeah, weren't they, weren't they like 35-point dogs? In Chiswick's last game? No, that well, I think in the in the um the, the Iron Bowl in twelve, I think they were a pretty significant underdog. Yeah. But the never to Georgia. Yeah, the, the Georgia. If you think about never the, to Georgia, the twenty yeah. the twenty twelve Auburn Georgia game. Granted, it was at Jordan Hare, but you think about what a mismatch that seemed like at the end of the twenty twelve season. That was Aaron Murray. You know, having That's having that. They were uh they were only a sixteen point underdog <laughs> at kickoff to Georgia. That's in, really? in, in twenty in twenty twelve. Yeah, I was just I was just reading about the twenty eleven and twenty twelve point, point spreads. It, it was that may that may just be the difference in yeah. in offensive football. You think about that in Barrett. ten years. There, I, that is, I thought that would at least be like twenty five. Uh huh. That is surprising because that team was terrible. That was, and Georgia almost Georgia was like literally a yard away from going to the national championship game back here. Um, yeah, that, but yeah, it's going to get ugly. Uh, you know, Georgia, obviously with what's happened the last couple of weeks, they're going to be angry. And then, you know, if you let, if you're so inept in uh, the second half that, you know, you're averaging less than a field goal in power five games since mid October of last year, that's problematic against a team like Georgia that has, uh, has had some success at this level, if, uh, if I recall correctly, in Indianapolis from last January. So it's it's going to get ugly, I think. Uh, it's hard to imagine it not. Barrett, uh, really appreciate it. Great stuff as always. Before we let you go and uh, and 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 have you uh, you know get back to uh, some baseball watching here on this Tuesday night. Let everybody know how they can follow you and what you got coming up. Yeah, you can follow uh, on all social media accounts at Barrett Salee. Uh, download the CBS Sports app. Watch CBS Sports HQ and. Uh, yeah, we got uh, SEC picks and some analysis coming tomorrow, so that'll be a lot of fun. Big, uh, big feature coming up on uh, on CBSSports.com. Sounds good, Barrett. Thanks again, man. Good luck. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks, y'all. Too. See you. All right, Barrett Salee joining us as he does every Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we need to get to our final break of hour number one. Come on in and join us here on the Tuesday Drive. Hey. 
live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Final minute or so here of hour number one. Let's get to the phone. Olin is up next. Hey, Olin. Hey, how you doing? Bill? Pretty good. Well, I'll tell you what, Bill, it's a good thing that it's a baseball uh, uh, time for the uh, uh, World Series. Uh, you know. Oh, yeah, postseason. It's great. Yeah, and I'm so happy that Atlanta did beat out the Mets. And, um, well, well, they almost they they're they're about to, but they haven't yet. So, well, they'll they'll get. They better. I mean, it would be a it would be a huge uh, collapse there in the last few days. Tell you what, Olin, you want to hang on? Um, we, yep. we we've got that top of the hour break coming up. You'll get us started when we come back. All right. I got you, buddy. All right. Yeah, we, we'll get to our top of the hour break. Wanted didn't want to cut uh, anybody short. So uh, you can get in line behind Olin in hour number two, 334-321-1390, as we head into the second hour of the Tuesday Drive. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls, and hour number two of The Drive, brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And we welcome your calls, and we're about to get to them. We have a full bank of calls holding on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one of the number to get you through when the line's clear. 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Let's get to the phones. We had just started talking with Olin when we ran out of time in hour number one, so we'll finish that conversation first. Hey, Olin. Hey, how you guys doing? Look, uh, yeah, I mentioned baseball, and I'm ready for it. But, um, you know, just briefly on the uh, football, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if anybody out there is waiting for Olin to give them some wisdom right now, you're going to wait a long time because I just don't have any. Uh, it's a tough situation we're in. And uh, all I know to do is go to the past and see what happened. And uh, sure enough, in 1948, 49, 50, sounds like a long time ago, we won one game in 48. We won two games in 49. We won zero games in 50. Mm-hmm. 
However, in 1957, we won a national championship. What was the difference? The coach, right? Auburn was the same. Auburn was the same. Nothing changed at Auburn. The coach came in here, and Coach Jordan said this. He said Auburn can compete with the top teams in the country. There's no reason we can't. And that was his attitude. Coach Jordan had something else, too. He uh, knew our culture. He was from our culture. We have a culture here in the South. And um, I I hate to say it, but I don't think the president uh, coaches uh, fit that culture very well. And if we don't get the Jimmys and the Joes, you can forget about the X's and the O's. So with that wisdom, Olin's going to wish you a happy day, okay? Good stuff, Olin. You're exactly right. I agree with every single thing, every single thing he said. Yes. I mean, Auburn needs somebody who understands Auburn, understands the SEC and the importance of certain things, and that is the Jimmys and the Joes. Well, and it's tough to... It's tough to find a recent comparison at Auburn because Auburn has, for the last you know, 30, 40 years, generally speaking, they haven't had long stretches of futility in their football program. Usually when there's a bad season or two, it's treated as a crisis hey, and, and something changes. Auburn is trying to avoid its first back-to-back losing seasons. Is it this century? I right. believe. And and I believe it's also pretty long, yeah. pretty long and it, there's the the twenty twenty season is is mixed in there as well, which which has mitigating circumstances because it wasn't a full twelve game season. You know, the but, last the last coach to have back to back losing seasons? Barfield? It was. Yeah, I was gonna say, I mean the the uh Barfield was also the first coach, the last coach who didn't win at least eight in one of his first two years as as right. Auburn uh, head coach. Back and, back then you got a little more time. He won eight his third, didn't right. he? Who, Barfield? Yeah. Either third or fourth, maybe it was his fourth year. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was his fourth year. Yeah. And the, and the um, no, you you just haven't seen stretches of you know extended stretches of futility. At all. You have seen those other programs, and the fact that yes, you have, and that's something Auburn dearly wants to avoid. You you want to avoid it. You also can take some solace in seeing how Tennessee and Arkansas have emerged out of it once they figured out the right uh once they figured out the right people for the job. I mean, Arkansas had a stretch where they lost. 20 of 21 conference games and mm-hmm. they went one over the end of Bielema, the entirety of Chad Morris and the beginning of Sam Pittman. I think Arkansas went one and 20 in 21 SEC games over a three, four year stretch. And then they've, they've come out of it to win several more games than that of late Tennessee. I mean, the decade right between with, with, with one good year from Butch Jones mixed in there pretty much from the end of Fulmer to now, Right. Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. So, Till right now. So it's uh, no. I mean, th- th- these things can happen even to historically great programs. It's just a matter of getting the right people in place and uh, and, and digging your way out. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the Kia of Auburn Hotline. And Glenn is next. Hey, Glenn. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Hey, uh, thanks. For, like listening to y'all show. I'm glad it's online. That's the only way I can catch it here in Tennessee. Uh, but I, I so I kind of have like a three part question, and then I'll get off and listen right. to y'all. Um. You mentioned the uh, uh, Grimes and Freeze being kind of the top two candidates. Is there one you think would be better than the other? And like you say, it, maybe I don't understand as much, but like if Grimes comes in, he's got to pick an offensive coordinator and all the other stuff, whereas maybe Hugh Freeze is kind of already has an idea of like what he would do instead of being a new head coach. Is there so I was kind of curious how that played out, and then my third question is, is you know, does that mean Deion Sanders is out as far as coaching? 
Correct. Yeah, I, I really wonder from just from from a few folks that I talked to. I don't know that that that's been anything except fan mm-hmm. speculation. Um, Urban, and, and again, I mean Urban Meyer as well. Right? You're, those, you're those right. Are both, those you're are right. both names. Those were names that put out there, but I, I haven't spoken to anyone who usually. You know, here's here's little tidbits that either of those, and I, that doesn't mean that they won't be. I mean, there quite a few times, you you know, how much Brian Harson talk was there before he was hired? Now that's different because you had an AD who wasn't you know an Auburn person or hadn't been around the Southeast, but but yeah, I don't know how much legitimacy there has been to some of the names that have been out there. There does appear to be there do appear to be legs, uh, you know, Hugh Freeze. And Jeff Grimes were two of the three or four names that we mentioned first when the possibility of a coaching change was uh, was brought up. And, and they're yeah, they're very differing. Hugh Freeze has been a head coach. Uh, he is a proven commodity as a head coach. He's been a head coach in the Southeastern Conference. Um, he, I would, you would think he's got an idea of of what goes on at Auburn. He hasn't been at Auburn. As a coach, but he's had two daughters um, that have, that have attended Auburn, and um, he's competed against Auburn. He's recruited against Auburn. Now he's got some baggage. Jeff Grimes, there is. I've never heard anything negative about Jeff Grimes, but there are questions. He hasn't been a head coach. He's been a very successful assistant coach and offensive coordinator. Um, they're both known. As very good recruiters, so I mean that's that's sort of where we are now. But yeah, there's that big question about Jeff Grimes. It's funny to me. Um, it's funny I, I hear people who are fans of either. Some will say, "You look at what Hugh did at Ole Miss and the players he was able to bring in. Yeah, they got in a little trouble um, for for how some of them were brought in, and and then there were other things there as well. But he did have Ole Miss." Very competitive. They got they got better every year until the NCAA said we're going to put a stop to this. Um, Jeff Grimes. It's funny with the success of Sam Pittman at Arkansas. There are a lot of people that go, "Oh, Jeff Grimes is Auburn's version of Sam Pittman." How, and, and you know, well, that, that, let me, I let don't me know. Ask, let me ask you this, and and we'll, we'll setting Hugh Freeze aside for a second. I know we got callers hanging on. We'll get to you. Um, how much of the push for Jeff Grimes do you think is a response to Auburn's offensive line play over the last few years? Oh, a lot. Thinking that's a lot. I, I think that's not a minor yeah. factor at all. The fact that Auburn had a very good offensive line under Jeff Grimes. He 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 uh, recruited and helped recruit some very good offensive linemen. His teams have had good offensive lines after he left Auburn as well. And then the flip side of that would be with Hugh Freeze. People look at, at the way he recruited at Ole Miss, and especially if you're willing to overlook the trouble he got in for the way he recruited at Ole Miss, people would say if he was able to get players like that to come to Ole Miss. Oh, now you can do it legally. Yeah, now now not only does NIL change the equation a little bit, but also yeah. Auburn historically has been a more attractive place for recruits than Ole Miss, and you would think that someone who recruited like that at Ole Miss would have even more success recruiting you would, at you would, Auburn. Yeah, you, 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 would, would think. you would think. Now, the other thing that's really interesting is if, indeed, John Hartwell is um, Auburn's next athletics director, he's going to be the guy, and and he had some time with Hugh Freeze. 
There's some folks that think, well, that means it's a slam dunk and it's Hugh Freeze. There are other people think that that means there's no way yeah. it's going to be Hugh let's Freeze. Let, yeah, let's let that one play out because yeah. just because someone worked with Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss does not mean he definitely wants to reunite with Ole, with, with, with Hugh Freeze again professionally. Maybe he does. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I don't does. know. Maybe, maybe he doesn't. I would I would not treat that one like a slam dunk. All right, let's get back to the phone. And Dan is up next. Hey, Dan. Hey, guys. I kind of was going to ask a pretty similar question to one that was just asked. Okay, if those are your two top, two top choices possibly, if you were going to try to sell everyone else on either one of them, how would you convince me that those are the best two candidates that we could find? A lot of it would depend on who they, who each of them has in mind being on their staff. Because, I mean, that is the critical thing. I think they're both, I think they, they both have uh, positives. I think, but I think the staff that they're planning on assembling is the, the most important thing. Dan's asking a different question, though. And I think what Dan's sort of oh. thinking is why, why, would, why would those two, like, why isn't Auburn getting a bigger name? I think is it not, not to, and I want to put words in your mouth, Dan, but I think people would be wondering if Auburn's, if Auburn's top candidates are Jeff Grimes and Hugh Freeze, why isn't Auburn in a position to poach a current sitting SEC head coach? Why isn't Auburn, like, I think that's sort of what Dan is wondering about is why would, why I, would, like, I, I, and I, and I can't give you an absolute answer, but I can tell you I feel that uh, that 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 some folks who would would be the ones that are making the decision or uh, helping make that decision just don't feel like some of those other guys would fit at Auburn. Well, I mean, I, I guess looking at what we just did, okay, we we hired we hired a coach that had a really good record and. He had been a head coach for six years, and he had played the position and everything else. So, yes, it was kind of out of nowhere, but it seemed like his resume sounded a little bit more complete. But then you turn around and you say Jeff Grimes, you know, I don't know how he recruits. Maybe maybe he did, which that's a positive. But But if he's never been a head coach, then I feel like, okay, we're kind of, going backwards we're not going and getting the guy who's experienced the guy who knows what they're doing or i'm not saying he doesn't know what he's doing but i'm saying you know you're taking a gamble there and it seems like and then my issues like i've said in the past with Hugh freeze is that okay well they say he can recruit but can he really you know because he got most of his recruits because he was doing a lot of shady stuff uh, I, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, they're, they're definite questions. I just think, I think some folks that said, look, you're making the wrong move when people say, go outside the box, go hire somebody who doesn't have any Auburn ties and go hire somebody who has a proven record at another place. I think some of those folks are going, okay, you had your chance. Now we're going to get somebody who understands Auburn and is a better fit at Auburn. I don't know if that's going to be the right move or not. I'm just telling you that's what I think uh, is, is at least being discussed. Well, it seems to me that if you're going to try to get somebody out there that the recruits are going to go, hey, I want to play for that guy, I, I don't know if either of those names really <laughs> are going to, you know, all of a sudden, you know, tip the scale. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I mean, look, I think they're just as much of a risk, both of them, as the coach that we took a risk on this time. Could be, could be. Could be. Again, uh, again, what happens in so many places, and it, it doesn't mean it's always going to follow, is you look and see what's working at other places. And you try to find places that you can compare to your place. And if something worked there, you go, is there somebody similar we could get 
to bring in here. Uh, how how much? I mean, I don't I don't know that I heard anybody excited about the Arkansas hire of Sam Pittman. They went, look at that big that big guy. Yeah, what farm? He's, he's, what farm do they find? Yeah, this guy he's on? he's yeah. nowhere. He's an embarrassment yeah. to be the face. Of a, of a program, yeah. they hired him from the school from the water boy. Right. Yeah, we heard we heard stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, and 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 he's done a great job. That doesn't mean that that another offensive line coach is going to be a great hire, but it makes it much more likely for another offensive line coach like Jeff Grimes to be hired. And Jeff Grimes is a name. You know, we heard a lot of talk last year that if uh, if Dave Aranda moves on from Baylor, that they were that Baylor was ready to promote him. To be head coach, his name's been mentioned at a few jobs over the last year. It is you're definitely taking a, uh, a uh, you know taking a, a risk. It's a gamble if you hire someone who hasn't been a head coach. But you look around, and a lot of schools have done that. Um, some of them have worked out great. Others uh, not so well. Well, and I think it's important too. If Auburn is is undergoing a coaching search uh, sometime soon, what you see sometimes is fans fans have it in their mind. It's got to be this guy. It's got to be this one guy. Mm-hmm. And John Gruden was that? You remember yeah. for years that's who yeah, Tennessee was really, going to get. It really was John Gruden. It was John Gruden or bust for for years. It was it was going to be John. And Gruden. then Josh Heupel was sort of a joke. Just like Sam, yeah. just like Sam. Well, remember, remember when they tried? Oh, Heupel's only went in with leftovers from Scott Frost. Remember Greg Schiano? I mean, I mean, oh, Tennessee, yeah. Tennessee tried to hire Greg Schiano, and the fan base threw like an epic tantrum, and they ended up having to revoke the offer and and hire Jeremy Pruitt instead. So I, I do think it's important to keep an open mind uh, in the in these sorts of situations. At the same time, uh, I understand the reservations people have with some of the names being tossed sure. out there, and and some of the desire they have for names that they are aren't. no sure. Things. Yeah, some, some of the names that, that people maybe uh, had, had more uh, uh, more appetite for. Uh, let's get to our first break. Robbie, hang on. You'll be up first when we come back here on the Tuesday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Bill and Dan and right back to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. And Robbie is up next. Hey, Robbie. Hey, gentlemen, how are y'all doing? Doing fine. Good. So, I've listened to this conversation, and my feelings is Auburn does not need to experiment. And let's figure out if the next guy is going to work out. I mean, if, who if who is like, not an experiment, though? Who is who is well, who is a surefire thing? That's that's what I'm well, you know I'm wondering. Well, I mean, since we're talking about two candidates, I mean, <laughs> no, give me another candidate. I mean, I, mean, I just I, mean, I just wonder. If, you know, Urban Meyer but, but is the only proven how, commodity out there that I think that because he's won national championships at two different places, and there's some baggage there too. Well, my my point is with Jeff Grimes. You know, if we're going to compare him to Sam Pittman, let's be honest. He he was the fifth choice for Arkansas, and but the difference between Sam Pittman, unless you convince me otherwise, my understanding was Sam Pittman was hell of a recruiter. That he was one hell of a recruiter. Now maybe Jeff Grimes is. If I'm wrong, tell me. Because I haven't heard that he's like this guy that's bringing all these guys to Baylor and BYU, because it's all about the Jimmys and the Joes. 
So I want somebody that can convince kids that if you come to Auburn, here's where you're going to end up. And if you convince me that Jeff Grimes is the guy that can, you know, bring these guys in. But that that's what I kept hearing about Sam Pittman was what a recruiter he was. And it's obvious because he's done it at Arkansas and he was doing it at Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I... I I don't have an answer. I can't. I, I'm, I, I'm just sort of relaying what what we read today that the JG Tate wrote. I believe in the in the case of Jeff Grimes. I believe Jeff Grimes does have a reputation. I mean, I'm, I'm you know thinking back to when he was hired at LSU. He's one of the few offensive Denver. line coaches that has a, a a reputation as being a really really good recruiter. Right. I do. I do. I do believe now. Now you haven't seen it as a head coach. Uh, I do believe Jeff Grimes in his resume has been has been seen as a, a solid recruiter at. at Baylor at LSU and at Auburn; those were places where he was he was celebrated not only for the way the offensive. In fact, I think he's seen more as a, as a recruiter than someone who has a track record of getting offensive linemen into the NFL. I think it's more about you know his his ability to to, to bring in big time recruits. You know has has been something that's been touted uh, you know in, in Jeff Grimes's college career. So uh, again, there 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 are experiments, but but I I will answer reputationally. Uh, Jeff Grimes does uh, d- does. Uh, Carry carry some record as a recruiter. Well, it, it just—I mean—I just feel like we've wasted two years. And I was a Harson fan, but obviously, I've been convinced that you know I was wrong after watching them this year. But so I'm scared that if we take another—you know—try another experience. Listen, let's be honest. Arkansas just—they they fell into it. Yep, I mean, you're right. Sam Pittman. Happened to turn out to be something they were not expecting, but we are, is that what we're banking on, Robbie? Rob, we got we got other callers hanging on. I'd like to know a name, like who you think, like is is somebody yeah. you think you know. Oh, fit, oh well, my like... first choice would be I'd be like Bama. I, I'd back up the Lane Kiffin's door and say, "Turn me down." My my second one would be Hugh Freeze. I mean, he's proved it. The dude can recruit. Well, I think Hugh Freeze is at the top. I mean, of the two that were mentioned, I think Hugh Freeze appears to be 1A. And of Kiff, the two. And Kiffin is Kiffin is a a popular choice among fans. I I've, I agree. I've expressed, you know, wonder about if if Auburn's going to be able to poach a sitting SEC coach or if I or think if the SEC financially coaches, yeah. they could. I just I I wonder. I, I again, I wonder I wonder about fit. All right, back to the phone and uh was it Allen next? Hey Allen. Hey guys, it's more or less the same question again. Um, but with the dearth of talent at key positions, quarterback, O line, uh, I'll go say linebacker, uh, in a lot of places, um, and the way kids are today, I hate to sound like an old man, but do you need a, a rock star to go out there and make an immediate impact in recruiting? I don't know. Um, you need, you, boy, you, you sure need somebody who, who can, uh, who, who's a great salesman. It helps. I don't know if it's a rock, I mean, a rock star wouldn't hurt, but I mean, somebody who can convince them, uh, convince some folks to come in. I mean, the transfer portal is, is where, that's where the gold, I mean, the, um, the, the gold is being mined even heavier right now is in the transfer portal. And that's, if you can, if you can bring some guys in, um, was Josh Heupel a rock star? Look at Tennessee. Look at where Tennessee, yeah. how, how they have come from having all those players leave. Nobody thought they would even approach 500 last year, 
And here they are, maybe the third best team in the league. It does seem like I, I, I understand what Alan's saying, and it does seem like there's a there's a risk in hiring someone who doesn't have a name that moves the needle, at least initially. You know, there, there's some risk in can, you know, is this is this gonna be able to again, resonate? Again, but, that's that's where the staff yeah. I mean, that's where your staff is gonna be critical. It's a, it's a fair thing to wonder about yeah. though, Alan. Good point. Uh, appreciate the call, Alan. John is up next. Hey John. Hey guys, I'll try to be concise because I know you have other callers. Going back to the LSU game on Saturday, and I know Dan and I may not agree on this, but I, I, I agreed with all of uh, Harson's decisions to go for it on fourth down and calling the timeout. It seems everyone assumes the correct course of action is always to play field position and, and punt. But I have a question: what if what if instead of kicking three field goal attempts, Auburn actually goes for it on fourth down three times? and actually converts one of those to touchdown, the game goes into overtime. So why do we assume kicking field goals is always effective? And I'll let you all address that. And one final one, I, I, shouldn't a new athletic director play a role in the decision of the hiring of the new football coach? I think it is. Um, I, I think the the interim AD is, uh, uh, is, is going to make the, the position available, and I think the new AD will make the call on, on the new coach. Perfect. And one final one, if you're going to spend $18 million to buy out your current coach, shouldn't you at least be guaranteeing yourself you're going to get someone you know is better? It doesn't sound like to me that's necessarily the case in this situation. If you want to comment, that's all I got. Appreciate it, guys. Again, uh, the only thing I can say is there are no guarantees. They're just, I mean, you got a guy, you got a guy that won 69 games in seven years as a head coach. Um, and, and again, I was very impressed with Brian Harson. I still am very impressed with him. When he's in front of the mics, he speaks as well. He talks as good a game of football. And you're right, looks and talks. And then I wonder sometimes when I'm watching what happened to that guy. Um, but, I mean, I was, I've been very impressed with everything he says. I, I just don't know about going for all the fourth well, downs. You know, fourth it, and ten. Well, that, that's not. I, I mean, where, where John's coming from. I mean, there, there's an argument for it. I mean, I, I think it's, it's analytics. It's, yeah, I mean, it's closer to a coin flip on what you want to do there. I think a long field goal is probably off the table. No, I'm I, not crazy about I, that I, either, I especially been, with Anders' situation. Yeah, right I, now. I'd have been okay trying to put a little pressure on the LSU offense there, but I but I understand you know wanting you know you've you've got the ball. You, you want to go for it? It was not it was not the choice I liked. Um, you know, I, I think you I think you lay up there and and make the LSU uh, offense move the football. Uh, but uh, at the same time, you know, I can understand folks saying, you know, don't you know go go for it. You know, try try to be aggressive in those situations, even if it blows up in your face. I think it depends on how the other side is working. Yep. I mean, if LSU had been moving the ball, you better try to score every time. You better try to score touchdowns. LSU was not moving the ball. That's why I, I feel like you play it safe. I think it depends on the game. Yeah, that, that's that's one where I, that's an instance where I would have trusted my special teams and my defense. But I'm not saying that's always you know mm-hmm. what you need to do. But but in that case, Saturday night, I, I think that might have uh, that that might have been the the, the course. And, and they're just again. I mean, I'll, I'll say it. We're, we're going to talk to Jake Crane here in just a couple of minutes. There are very few guarantees when you're hiring coaches. I mean, there have been some no questions, slam dunks, everybody goes crazy, that's a great hire, and then those coaches are looking for another job in two or three years. And it's happened with some of the biggest names, the rock stars, and then sometimes the hires that people go, oh, they could have done better than that. Turn out to be great, whether they're the third, fourth, fifth choice or not. We appreciate all the calls. We'll get back to your calls after we talk with Jake Crane. Coming up, 
here on the Tuesday Drive. Turn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls, and it's time for our weekly visit with Jake Crane of Crane and Company here on the drive. Jake, how you doing today? Hey guys, I'm doing good. Appreciate y'all having me. A, a busy weekend, Jake, as always in the SEC with a uh, with, with a lot of a uh, lot of cool stuff to talk about and and around the country and, yeah. and uh, a, a couple of coaches uh, no longer. Uh, in, in the position they were going into last weekend, but um, but the SEC still intact I, for the time you, being. Yeah, before before we get too deep into SEC stuff, Jake, I'd love your read on Paul Christ uh, let it, uh, getting let go at Wisconsin. Sort of a surprise after uh, uh, af- after the way uh, his tenure started, uh, but they have been struggling of late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I think the AD is next out of the door up there. But yeah, it, it was a combination of things. You know, Jim Leonard has been a guy that that name has been really hot the last two to three years. Uh, formerly, he was a great player at Wisconsin, played a little bit in the league, coached a little bit in the league, and has been the D.C. there for a while. And, you know, Chris did some really good things at Wisconsin, but but they've been trending down. Uh, Illinois comes into their place and absolutely beats them at their own game. I think Wisconsin leading rusher had like 16 yards or something, and Illinois ran all over them. So I think this is going to be the last year that Jim was going to be the D.C. He was going to be gone. I, I believe Nebraska even reached out to him. So it, it was kind of a couple things. I, I think Wisconsin's going to take a chance on Jim Leonard, uh, which Wisconsin doesn't really take a lot of chances. So uh, it, it's interesting to see. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was a combination. And, and look, any time you do it, it's taking a risk. It's taking a gamble. But, you know, Jim Leonard, you know, Zach Arnett, the, the Mississippi State defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters, Illinois D.C., there's some really good young D.C. names out there that, that you're going to see get some head jobs here soon. Moving on to the SEC and what we saw this past weekend, we can start with Auburn. Auburn and LSU. Auburn jumps out to a 14-point lead. 17. 17-point uh, lead. You're right. 17-point lead for Auburn yeah. before LSU uh, storms back and ultimately uh, uh, takes the game, scoring 21 unanswered uh, to a win at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, an LSU team that's 2-0 and in conference play despite trailing by double digits in both SEC games they've played. But the story around here is uh, is Auburn unable to, uh, to seal the deal. What, what did you see from Auburn Saturday night, Jake? Well, everything that they had to have happen, go right in the first half, happened. Uh, you, you couldn't ask for a better start. LSU was blowing coverages when Robbie Ashford was extending the play. Uh, Tank and Jarquez were making great moves at the line to be able to create space in the run game. Uh, and Robbie, you know, through the first seven passes, I mean, you know, that they were on point. Uh, he was making throws on big downs. And it seems like every time, and I hate to be a broken record, but come on here and we talk about adjustments. You're up 17 to nothing tough play uh, on their defensive touchdown it happens as part of the game Mm -hmm. but you don't score another point the rest of the game you don't score another point at home in the second half with an offense at LSU that was struggling because Jane Daniels is a one-read quarterback and he takes off but you were actually keeping him in the pocket so uh again uh and and look I, I know I know the personnel isn't very good but it got you up 17 points 
the personnel should be good enough to be able to score a point in the second half. You don't just magically create points. Auburn has had a habit of getting leads early or playing well early and not being able to adjust and not being able to meet the moment. It's just uh, another bad second half. I mean, uh, it, you know, it, at what point is – I mean, it's a pattern. It's what's happening. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, I've had a couple of people go, but, hey, it's better. Auburn moved the ball. Yeah, they still didn't score, but uh, they they did. Well, like if we're to the point, Bill, yeah. if we're to the point where everybody's excited about Auburn <laughs> moving the ball, then that's not a good situation. Well, first and goal at the that's five. Like, well, you get, you know, you hey, get first and goal at the five, and then you get yeah. at gunpoint. Yeah, you don't. You, know. you don't. You don't get. You don't get bonus points for no. moving the. You know the no. the yards. Yeah, you well, know, yeah. No, total offense doesn't get you. Uh, it doesn't do anything on the scoreboard. Yeah, yardage between the twenties is great, Jake. But but the 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 uh, point oh. of the point of the game is is something else. Yeah, well, coordinators get paid and coaches get paid to convert on third down, and if you're on the offensive side, score touchdowns in the red zone. Defensive coordinators get paid to hold you to field goals in the red zone. So that that's where you're judged when the field shrinks. So, you know, again, it's it's just when Auburn has had opportunities, and believe me, LSU did not play well either in that first half, but I thought the Auburn defense did a great job of boxing in Jaden mm-hmm. Daniels. And again, you had the breaks going your way, uh, and you weren't able to, to take advantage of it in, in a moment that you really needed it because the back half of this schedule, it's not about to get easier. It's about to get worse, and it's not like you're going to get healthier. No, and Auburn loses Ecuador now for the season. Uh, that, yeah. that and and so there there goes part of the uh, pressure that Auburn needs to get and the ability to contain there on the perimeter. So that's going to be tough. And and then they get a Georgia team that is just let's face it, they've struggled the last two weeks and they got to be chomping at the bit to uh, to welcome yeah. Auburn in this uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, uh, again, I just I, I don't see a way in which Auburn's going to be able to move the ball offensively. Georgia hasn't played great the last two weeks, which, you know, kind of like you're alluding to, is probably the worst thing that could happen uh, when you're going to play them at their place in a rivalry game. Uh, this is a big game for recruiting, so Kirby is not going to let up. If he has the chance to run it up, he's going to run it up. Uh, but, you know, if you're Auburn, you got to go in there and fight. I mean, you got to go in there and try and, and find a way. But, again, talent over time, you know, equals positive results, and Georgia's got more talent over a four-quarter game. There's not a lot of spots on the field where you look and you're like, Auburn has an advantage in this position group. It's a grim picture you're painting, but Auburn's a 30-point underdog in, in Athens this weekend. It's understandable that, that you know it's, it's tough to find a lot of places where it seems like Auburn has the advantage and, and a, t- a lot of spots where you, you would expect Auburn to, to perform uh, really well and consistently win their matchup this weekend. Right, Jake? Yeah, I mean, again, look, Georgia has better players. Pretty simple formula. Georgia has better players uh, pretty much at every position. Uh, again, you know, I'm going to be hoping good things and, and crazier things have happened in football, but uh, this is one I just I, – I, if Auburn's lack of ability to throw the ball against some of these defenses, I know Robbie threw for over 300 last game, but I, Georgia has the athletes where – there's the scramble drill, and I know LSU is athletic, but Georgia has more athleticism than LSU. Those guys aren't going to be able to get that separation when the play breaks down and the defensive line can really run. So uh, they're at home. It's going to be a tough task. Well, if, if Georgia covers this Saturday, um, is Brian Harson still Auburn's coach next week when we talk to you? You know, I, I, I don't really I, – I don't see how. Uh, and, and look, I don't ever want anybody to be fired. I gave Brian Harson the benefit of the doubt when he was hired. But again, I, I just, Auburn's in a, in a weird situation, though. You don't have an AD. 
uh, I think you need to get an AD before you get a coach because that's a very important, you know, leverage relationship between an AD coming in and getting his people. You're already solidified in basketball with Bruce Pearl and baseball uh, with Butch Jones, so you don't have to worry about worry about that. But you need a guy in there that's your guy, and if you're a head coach that wants to be hired at Auburn, you want to be the AD's guy too. That's a, that's a relationship that works both ways. But if they go in there and get stopped by Georgia, uh, I would be very surprised if he was still still here. But, I mean, you still got to go to Ole Miss, to Mississippi State, a pissed-off Arkansas team at home, A&M at home. I mean, it's just – and then at Bama. Yeah, yeah don't forget that you know? one. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what I keep hearing is – um, before Auburn has a new AD, there needs to be uh, an opening at the football head coaching position. So I, I think I think that's the next step, and then then the uh, the, the step after that would be naming yeah, well, a permanent well, AD. The, well, well, the thing is too, and, and I know you this uh, I know you know this, Bill. But when you make the decision to move on from the head coach, the longer you wait to have that next head coach, the farther you fall behind in recruiting. So you obviously want it. The, the, the thing they have to do is go ahead and get an AD, which I know they're working on that. Once they get an AD, it is more attractive to an AD if there's already a football opening, you know, at, at mm-hmm. that position. So they can bring in a guy that, you know, that they can go to bat for and a guy that they believe in and, and they can sleep at night with him being the head coach where the expectations are where they are at a place like Auburn. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt anything. I mean, what's it going to hurt? You know, you're just delaying the inevitable. Talk with Jake Crane from Crane and Company here on the Tuesday edition of the Drive, as we love to do here on Tuesdays. You want to talk? Uh, the yeah, let, let's sh- let's shift to, uh, to to some of the other matchups. From uh, first of all, what was the biggest surprise for you last weekend around the league? Um, you know, Mississippi State. I thought they were going to beat A and M. Um, I'm looking around, and and with Tennessee getting beat up the way they are in the secondary, I know Hendon Hooker and the offense has been playing well, Mm -hmm. and I know Mississippi State absolutely blew it at LSU, but Mississippi State may actually be the third-best team in in the SEC. But, you know, Arkansas's lack of of defensive speed, you know, and I know they're beat up, but they were just getting ran by like it was like it was a cupcake game. early When Bryce Young was in early, they were just running verticals right by the DBs. I couldn't believe that Barry Odom stayed in man as long as he did because they were just getting run by. Bryce was just throwing it past them. Nobody was getting hands-on. Nobody was collisioning anybody. And then you saw in the second half, whenever Jameer Gibbs would get to the second level, he looked like the fastest person on the planet. I mean, <laughs> right. Jameer Gibbs is fast, but he's not Usain Bolt. So the, the lack of speed on the defense for, from Arkansas really surprised me. Uh, and obviously Jalen Milrow did a good job coming in. But, you know, Missouri hanging with Georgia, yeah, that, that's the easy one. But look, I mean, when you're trying to go through and navigate through a season, it's hard to win on the road in the SEC. Uh, you remember games when Auburn won the national championship in, in 2010. They had to kick a field goal at the end to beat a Kentucky team that was good, but not fantastic. So you got to be able to survive some of those games, and they did. Uh, so it, it's I've, I've loved the parody so far. There's still a lot up in the air, but uh, it's been fun. What, what are you expecting in Baton Rouge Saturday morning when Tennessee uh, make, makes the trip to, uh, to LSU? This one's hard to forecast. It's uh, it's kind of a funky matchup. Um, you know, when I look at Tennessee and, and I look at LSU's secondary, uh, I do think Tennessee's going to be able to move the ball. I think it's going to come down to the run game, and LSU has sometimes shown the vulnerability uh, uh, to be able to give up some rushing yards on defense. But, you know, if LSU continues to trend where they get behind early and then have to play catch-up at the end, even though it's at home, 
Tennessee's a team that if they get in rhythm and you let them click early, they, they can throw up 45 or 48 down there. They really could if they're hot. And, you know, Keaton's really stepped up for Cedric Tillman, who just had that tightrope procedure. Brew McCoy's been a good player. They've been able to run the ball with some with a modicum of success. But, man, I got a feeling it may be a high-scoring game. Uh, I think Jay Daniels and LSU, you know, Brian Kelly came out this week and said they need to take some more shots. I mean, the kid hadn't thrown an interception all year, but he hasn't taken any chances, so you're not really getting a return on that investment. Uh, and we all saw, you know, the performance through the air uh, there in Jordan-Hare last Saturday. So there's a lot of great storylines, uh, you know, you all the way out from the Big 12 to the Pac-12, or really the Pac-10 now to uh, the Big 10 as well. So it's going to be fun here uh, on the back half. Yeah, I mean, uh, they. you mentioned Arkansas and their defensive problems. Just who they want to see this weekend, right, Mississippi State? Oh, uh, you know, I, I know Mississippi State's an eight-point favorite, but if you're Arkansas, this is just not – this isn't it. And I'll tell you what, Mike Leach has really kind of embraced the run game more this year. Mm-hmm. They seem a little bit more balanced with it. If you, if you go watch, it's amazing how the SEC tends to slow you down and teaches you the importance of running the ball over time. If even one of the uh, architects of the air raid – uh, with how Mummy out there at Iowa Wesley and Mike Leach at Mississippi State is going to start slowing the pace down and running the ball a little bit. You know something's up. But, uh, again, Mississippi State's confident after what they did to A&M. You're going there. Uh, it's a big game. Arkansas, you're already staring at 0-2 in the SEC. Uh, you're beat up in the secondary. And when you pay, play this style, even though they've run the ball a little bit more, it does nothing but stretch you out with crossers. They run mesh, shallow cross. Then they take their shots deep and hit you with the draw. So, uh, it's always fast and physical against Mississippi State, and I don't see a way in which Arkansas doesn't give up over 30 points in this game. Making matters worse for Auburn, Mississippi State's best receiver is from Eufaula, Alabama, and Ole Miss had a, a true freshman, uh, very explosive-looking player. Oh, yeah, Quinn, Quinshawn Judkins. Quinshawn from, Judkins. From, just right down the road at Pike Road. Pike yeah, road, well, yeah. you know, look, look the, the receivers and running backs, you know, the, the, that's one thing. Auburn needs linemen. That's what they need. That's what they need. They need offensive linemen that you can line up and dictate the pace of the game. Uh, and then they need, obviously, somebody, and, and they need to add to the receiver core, obviously. But to, to bridge the gap and, and for Auburn to be put back in the spotlight quickly, whoever ends up taking the job over most likely, they're going to have to patch this thing up up front. And with the transfer portal and the new rules, that's very doable at a place like Auburn. Yeah, I got another one I want to get your thoughts on. Um, you know, we talked about how, how rough it could be for Auburn this week in Athens. How about A&M? How about Jimbo at A&M in Tuscaloosa? Well, you know, I want to see how Bryce is. If Milrow plays, it's, it's a little bit of a different game. Right. Uh, even though, look, A&M, you're, it, it got personal between Jimbo and Nick. And, you know, I know they've made up and, and Jimbo's his protege. Publicly, but, yes. You know, these guys do have really big egos. And I wouldn't be surprised if it starts going south for A&M. Because I'm looking around wondering how A&M's going to score because they have no experience explosive threat at all on offense outside of A-chain to run the ball and, you know, catch passes. They put them in the slot a little bit, but losing to Nia Smith hurt them bad. And uh, Alabama's had this one circled, uh, you know, coming off that big win at Arkansas when Milrow came in after Arkansas tightened it up and they were able to make plays. Even if Bryce doesn't play, that 24 points, man, that sounds about right. But who knows? You know, a lot of people were saying they had no chance last year either. Mm-hmm. Jake, I'd love to get your thoughts on, uh, and, and getting back to what we were just talking about with Auburn uh, and, and Auburn's need for improvement on the offensive line in your mind. Uh, there are reports that 
uh, Jeff Grimes, offensive coordinator at Baylor, could be one of the popular candidates should Auburn uh, choose uh, to uh, to make a change and, and look for a new head coach. Your familiarity with Jeff Grimes and your thoughts on the job he would do uh, if if he were Auburn's head coach? Well, you know, when, whenever you're looking at a head coach that gets hired, the, the first thing I look at is who who is he going to hire? Like what? Because it, it is about the head coach, obviously. He's accountable for everything that buck stops with him. But it's about that staff. Every good team has – or every elite team has a great coaching staff, and the head coach can dictate, get involved when he wants to. But it's more about who you hire when you're the head coach. So I, I think Jeff Grimes is a smart football coach, obviously an offensive lineman, a guy that knows how important it, uh, the trenches are. Do I think he's the best that Auburn can get? Do I think he could put the best staff together around him? Uh, I really question that. Uh, I think you got to get somebody in that can get some guys in, uh, whether getting Garrett Riley in as the offensive coordinator or finding a way to get Zach Arnett to Auburn from Mississippi State as the D.C. You've got to get somebody in here that can get coordinators in and position coaches that are uh, that, that can handle their business with the on-the-field technique, fundamental stuff, but can absolutely go out and recruit because mm-hmm. it's about the players. It'll always be about the players until the, the aliens wipe us out. <laughs> Yep. Uh, hope, hopefully, uh, I'm not around for that. But uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it, it will be about the players. Would be the worst way to go. But. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Man, I, I, man, I, I, don't put that evil on us, man. <laughs> don't put that evil on us on a Tuesday. Uh, Jake, not on a Tuesday. Yeah, man. Hey, we're we're we're, we're short on time, so let everybody know what what do you got coming up on uh, Crane and Company, and and how can everybody uh, keep up with everything. Yeah, well, we've been talking a lot of Auburn. Uh, just go to YouTube, type in C-R-A-I-N uh, and company, Crane and Company. Uh, we're live every morning, 6.30 to 8 Central. Uh, we just had Tim Brando on, uh, talking everything from SEC on out, NFL as well, and throwing some bets out. I'm pretty hot to start the month, but, you know, I don't want to talk about it or jinx it. Uh, but as usual, appreciate you guys having me. Great stuff as usual, Jake. Thanks a lot, man. Have a great week. Jake Crane joining us, uh, as he does on Tuesdays. We'll get to our final break. Still time for you to join in here on the Tuesday Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final few minutes. Let's get right back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Paul is up next. Hey, Paul. Hey, guys. Quick question. The, if if they hired Deion Sanders, and that's a big if, I mm-hmm. think there's some people that will have to get around it. How could he not get any recruit in the country? I would think he'd be able to get any recruit in the country that he wanted, and I think he could do the same with the coaches, with his assistants. Maybe. I mean, it, it, it would be really interesting. I mean, there's no question wherever wherever Dion is, uh, and if he moves up a level, there's going to be tremendous interest, and everybody's going to be watching to see how it goes. The only thing I've heard, the only thing I've heard that is a concern maybe for some folks right now is where he is, the NCAA doesn't pay a whole lot of attention. I know the NCAA doesn't pay a lot of attention. It doesn't seem anywhere, but I think they will pay attention where Dion goes. So I think he will, yeah, I think he would definitely attract 
players and coaches, yeah, though. I think the belief, you know, when, when a Power 5 program, and I do think it's when and not if. Yes, I, have I agree. Mind on that. When a Power 5 program decides to attempt Deion Sanders, um, the expectation is that he's going to recruit like a like a national championship coach from the moment he arrives. Um, you know, wh- whether or not that happens remains to be seen. I can understand why people expect it. And I think the point you made, Bill, about the NCAA increasing their scrutiny on any program that hires Deion Sanders uh, could, could be a good one. But, uh, no, I, I think that... Uh, we're going to see a program try it. You know, it's just a matter of who it is. You know, on the scrutiny thing, I mean, the NCAA, let's face it, they, they, they're dead. I mean, they're a lame duck. Sure, yeah, it sure looks that way. I mean, unless, uh, I, I can't imagine what's going to bring that I mean, Phoenix up I mean, from they the can, ashes. I mean, they can still throw postseason bands and scholarships, you know, at, at, at you. But I, but I feel know. like it's a matter of time before the Power Five goes, yeah, we don't need you. Appreciate the call, Paul. We are out of time. We're back tomorrow, though. Jason Caldwell with us from the outset. So make sure you join us then. But that's going to do it for the Tuesday Drive. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.